What's up, H12? My name is not Derek Idle. Somebody, some cheers, some cheers in here. All right, yeah. Thank goodness we got rid of him. I don't know. We'll see after tonight. So after after tonight, you may you may want him back. Uh, uh, just a little bit. Uh, I'm I'm one of the uh, spiritual formation pastors here at Twelve Stone. Um, uh, I worked in student ministry for over 15 years, and so I. Uh, I'm passionate about teenagers, uh, really uh, student ministry is my first love, so it's really great to be back here. Occasionally, because I'm getting to be the old guy, they let me come back here and talk to you guys. Um, and so that's, that's a blessing, man. I appreciate the opportunity, not that y'all had anything to do with it whatsoever, but thank you anyway. So hand claps to y'all, right? Okay, good. We're all on the same page. Hey, just real quick, I know, we had a, I know we had a chance to pray just for a second, and I, I'll tell you what, man, you guys are blessed with some incredible music, uh, incredible worship. What an, uh, what an honor just to be in here and just to be able to worship with you. But I want to pray for our night, and here's why I want to pray for our night. I want to pray for it because I believe that we're about, what we're about to talk about tonight is a weighty topic. I believe that it's something that's real, real easy to tune out in your life. And whether you're a student or whether you're an adult, listen, what we're going to talk about tonight is, is going to be painful for a lot of us. We're going to talk about the word forgiveness. And I know immediately when I say that, probably one of the most difficult words in the English language is the word forgiveness. And here's why, because it's difficult for all of us. Forgiveness is never easy, but it's important. And so we're going to talk about tonight, we're going to talk about the freedom to forgive. But before I do that, I just want to pray for you and over you. So would you just bow your heads? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for, uh, for these students. God, I remember what it was like not, not too many years ago. God, just to sit in a similar seat like this and be going through the, the trials and the tribulations. And to be honest, what some of these students are going through, God, I'd never have. And Lord, I know what the, the burdens that they're carrying, if they were to come up here and share their story with all of us, it would, it would floor many of us. But God, tonight when we talk about forgiveness, God, I just pray that you'll, even what we've already prayed and sung about, uh, sung about Lord, I pray that you'll awaken something in our spirit. That you'll do something incredible in our lives that tonight, that tonight that we will find freedom and forgiveness. And so Heavenly Father, as we open up your word, I pray um, as Hebrews says, that it will become living and active, sharper than the sharpest knife, able to divide our innermost thoughts and our being. Reveal things about us, God, that we need to confess. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Just a little bit um, about myself. Uh, anybody in here, you just finished ninth grade? Anybody in here just finished ninth grade? A few ninth graders in here? Okay, a couple of you. All right. All right, Nice. Awesome. We got one right here. You're doing ninth grade again? What? Okay, all right. <laughs> um, I remember when I was in eighth grade, I, I, I just, um, I want to I share a little story with you because it's an important story to me. When I was in eighth grade, I went out on my first date. She was in ninth grade. Not only that, she, she was a cheerleader. Any cheerleaders in the house? Anybody? A couple of guys over here, some dudes, cheerleaders. few cheerleaders in the house. Not only that, let's, let's, she was the captain of the cheerleading squad, okay? All right, in ninth grade, all right, pretty big deal. I mean, I think it was JV, but I mean, who's counting, okay? But here's the thing. I remember the moment that a friend of mine, a mutual friend between us, came to me and she said, hey, 
Matt, my friend Tara, I'm not sure if you know who Tara is, but she likes you. And I said, Tara Tucker? And she said, yes, Tara Tucker. I was like, are you kidding me? Everybody knows who Tara Tucker is. Here's the only question I have for you. Why does she like me? And I'm telling you, there's certain things in your childhood, you're going to figure this out later on, there's certain things in your childhood that are like burned into your subconscious and your memory. And one of those things is exactly what I was wearing that day. I remember this thought that I have, like why in the world would this girl who's in ninth grade want to date a guy who's in eighth grade? And what does dating even mean when you don't have a car, okay? But I looked, <laughs> I looked down and I remember what I was wearing. I was wearing a pair of stonewashed jeans, all right? Some of those, those are, yeah, you, some, of you guys, some of you found those in Goodwill. Uh, stonewashed jeans and an oversized Garfield t-shirt. Just burned in, just burned in my memory. And I remember what she said. She said, well, here's the question. You're going to ask her out. And I'm like, ask her out. Of course I'm going to ask her out. Now, I was nervous as all get out to ask her out. But I remember finally giving up the courage to go ask her out. So I went over to her, and, you know, my, my hands were shaking, and, my, you know, uh, I was sweating and profuse, profusely. I probably made absolute no sense, but I just said, I blurted it out. I said, hey, would you go out with me? And she said, yes, of course, when? And I was like, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't know, Friday night? I don't know. And she said, yeah, Friday night it is. Now, here's the thing. When you're in eighth grade, you, you don't have a car, okay? Now, I had a go-kart, but I didn't have a car, all right? Go-karts aren't too cool unless you're going to go down to the 7-Eleven to get an icy, okay? But, but we were going to go do something cool. And so I went home, and I told my parents about it. I said, hey, I need you to, I need you to take me somewhere. And when you're in eighth grade and you want to go out on a date, especially when your parents have to drive you, the only cool place to go to is the mall, right? It's the only cool place to go to. So I, I said, will you take us to the mall? Because here's the thing about the mall when you're a teenager, is there's a lot of stuff to do. I mean, you can walk around, there's food there, there's movies there, and so you just get a chance to kind of spend some time together. So I'd taken all my allowance, and I, I, I went out on this date, and I remember I took her to Chick-fil-A, better known as the Christian Chicken, okay, in my household. Now, this is when Chick-fil-A was just in the malls, okay, all right, there was no freestanding Chick-fil-A. And so we hung out, we, we had a chicken sandwich, and then I took her to see a movie. Now, just, just to give you a little history of how long ago this was, the movie was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, okay? <laughs> which, which, by the way, this summer, they're coming out with a new one. So can we just, I mean, just hand clap for that right there, right? And so, we're, <laughs> and so we're going to see this movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all right? And, and here's the thing about the movie. Here's the thing you got to know, all right? There was an unbelievable soundtrack by a guy by the name, I mean, unbelievable, talented artist, better known as Vanilla Ice. You should look him up. I mean, just incredibly talented. I'm being facetious. And, and here's the thing about Vanilla Ice. He wrote a song that I still remember. It was called Go Ninja, okay? I think you can still download this on iTunes, okay? It was called Go Ninja. And it went something like this. Go Ninja, go Ninja, go! All right? So this is what I want to do, Okay. I want us just to have an all skate and do this together. Can we do that real quick? All right, so you repeat after me. Go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go. No, 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 no. You got to rock that. You got to rock it, okay? All right? Listen, you got to rock it. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go. And that's what I did. That's what I did. I was trying to make my move, right? I remember, I remember sitting there, and I remember all I wanted to do is hold this girl's hand. That's all I wanted to do, Okay? This is eighth grade. This is a big deal, okay? And so, and so I remember sitting there, and I mean, I was, on, I was nervous as I've ever been in my entire life. 
And I remember there's a, there was some popcorn right here and there was a drink right here. And I remember I was reaching for the drink and she was reaching for the drink. And I remember the first time that my hand touched her hand. And guys, you've been there before, you know. I mean, you, you, there's this girl and she's so hot, she makes your teeth sweat. And you're like, you know, I got I to gotta go, ask her out, right? And I remember this moment. Listen, shh. I remember this moment when I finally grabbed her, her hand. I mean, it was like this lightning bolt experience. I mean, I swear that I thought, this is the girl I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And so I remember I was so nervous, I never, even, I never even let go of her hand through the entire movie. I mean, credits are rolling. I mean, I'm still holding on to her hand. But here's, here's the deal. I went home that night, and I thought, this is it. I've arrived. I don't know why, but God has shined down on me. And so everything was cool for two weeks. And then my phone rang. Now, when I say my phone rang, what you got to understand, this is before cell phones, or there were cell phones, but they were like the, say by the bell, yeah, giant ones, and nobody could afford them, or they were in a bag. And, um, and so I remember phone rang in the kitchen. I'm having this conversation. It's Tara. And all she says, just super abruptly, abruptly, hey, um, I just want to let you know I'm breaking up with you. I met somebody else. And I went from, I, I went from, I want to spend the rest of my life with this girl in eighth grade to, I want to kill her, okay, you know? Like, I want, I want, I want her, I want her to die. I mean, that's honestly a terrible thought. That's what I thought in that moment. Because it hurt. And here's the thing, here's, what, here's the thing, looking back on that moment, here's, here's the point. In that moment, here's, here's what I knew. I knew for the first time what it meant to be hurt, to have my heart broken, and we can talk about middle school, we can talk about these you know, cheesy relationships, but at that moment in my life, I knew what that felt like. And all I wanted to do in that moment is to make her feel the same amount of pain that she made me feel. In essence, here, listen, students, I wanted to get even. I was championing verses like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And can I be real honest? For a lot of us in here, that's our story is that when somebody hurts us, immediately what we want to do is make them feel the same amount of pain that we feel. In other words, when they damage us in some way or they fire off something on our Facebook or they send us a nasty text or something like that, I mean, immediately in that moment, here's what we want to do, is what we want to get even, is we want to hurt them. And here's what I know. For a lot of us in here, okay, let's take it way deeper than middle school relationships. For a lot of us in here, there is some incredible hurt in this room that you're dealing with. And I'm not, listen, listen, please understand, okay? I'm not up here trying to be the psychologist. Listen, I speak to students all the time, okay? I'm not up here trying to be the psychologist. I know this from 15 years of experience. Listen, there is a lot of pain in this room. And here's why, because now I work with many of your parents or adults. So I know the type of household that many of you are growing up in. And here's what I know. There's very little peace and harmony in your life. In fact, I would say this. For some of you, the reason why you're here tonight is because there's no peace and harmony in your life. At home, there's just nothing but tension, and so you're trying to get out of that any way you can. Or maybe it's an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend or exes and exes and exes. Maybe, with, maybe it's with your mom or your dad, or the person sitting next to you. I don't know, all right? That may be a little awkward. But here's the thing. 
Here's what I know. Listen, when Jesus Christ came to this earth, listen to this. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, our relational rules as followers of Christ changed. You see, Jesus flipped everything upside down, and here's what he said. Do unto others not as they have done unto you. I'm going to take that principle, and I'm going to flip it upside down. You do unto others as I have done unto you. You see, that's totally different, right? Is that you don't do unto others. You don't try to make them feel the same amount of pain that they made you feel. You look at other people the way that I look at people. You do to others the way I have done unto them and do unto you. And that's different. And so what I want to do is talk about tonight is I want to talk about the word forgiveness, okay? Just for the next few minutes, we're going to fly through this. But if you got your Bibles, I want, to, want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And if you don't have your Bibles, we're going to throw it up on the scrizzle up here. Snoop language. I don't know if he's still around, but I think he's still alive. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Let me set the context while you're turning there or looking up at the screen. Um, Ephesians is written by a guy by the name of Paul. And it's actually written about 60 years after the resurrection of Christ. Now, here's what you got to know about Paul. Paul used to be known as who? For those of you who grew up, Saul. Yeah, those of you who grew up learning your Bible from talking vegetables, right? I mean, you, you know this. And so, <laughs> I got kids now. Saul became Paul. He had this unbelievable, we're not going to unpack it, but if you want to dive into the story, it's in the book of Acts. Paul had this unbelievable conversion experience on a road. And so Saul became Paul. And Paul went from being a religious leader, which was a big deal at that time, okay? A religious leader, a Jewish religious leader who persecuted Christians. Okay, you got to understand where he's coming from when he writes this. So he had that thing going on where he used to be this really important person who persecuted Christians, but then he got saved, and then all of a sudden, he becomes a follower of Jesus. So the people that he was persecuting, he is now one of. And for Paul, he kind of lived in tension between the Jews and the Christians, because the Jewish people now hated him, and the Christian people didn't trust him. They didn't know if he was setting them up. I mean, if Paul asked you to come over for dinner, you're like, mm, I don't think so, okay? I got better plans, because they didn't trust him. They didn't know because he was known for persecuting Christians. And so he writes this, this under kind of that tension that he's still living in. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, Therefore I, I being who? Paul, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. Now let's stop right there, okay? He doesn't say it's an option. He doesn't say, hey, you know what, if you feel like it. He says what? I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. Worthy of your what? Calling. To which every person in here goes, whoa, 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 what's a calling? You're like, wait a second, Matt. Is, is that one of those things where I got to walk down an aisle and I got to grab some youth pastor by the hand or something and say, you know, I got a calling on my life. You know, I want to be a pastor or a youth pastor. Or what, like, what does that mean? The word calling there is a very interesting word. And if you are in here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, okay, then this applies to you. If you're in here and you're asking questions about Jesus Christ, okay, listen attentively, okay? The word calling translates literally invitation. That's what it means. 
Paul is saying that we have been extended an invitation. Now, here's what I know about invitations. With invitations come certain responsibilities, right? Responsibilities follow invitations. How many of you in here um, are seniors? Okay. Anybody in here seniors? Okay, a few of you. All right, cool. Congratulations. You're going to be a senior or you're, gonna, or, or you're out of here, man. You're like, see ya. You're out of here, all right? You got your hands in the air. Whoa, you're out of here, okay? Some of you are going to be seniors. Here's what I know. Some of you, you know, maybe you're going to go to college and maybe, you know, you're going to choose to, to pledge or something like that. And if my, my wife did that as a Christian, okay? And here's the thing. She was extended an invitation. Now, with that invitation came certain responsibilities because responsibilities follow invitations. And so what Paul is saying here is that we have been extended an invitation by Jesus, to which all of us in here should say, tell me about the invitation. Here's the invitation. The invitation literally is to do this, to do again unto others the way God has done unto us through Christ Jesus. To do unto others the way God has done unto us through Christ Jesus. That's what we're called to do. In other words, we don't treat people the way we think they deserve to be treated. We treat people the way we've been treated by Jesus. In other words, we've been forgiven. So therefore, we should what? Forgive. Listen, you don't forgive because people deserve it. Okay? You don't forgive because people deserve it. You forgive because you've been forgiven. And what Paul is underlying here, and I I want you to see this because it's so important, is he's saying, look, I beg you to to lead, to live a life equal to the invitation that I've extended to you. That's what he's saying to Christians. And can I say this? The reason why Christianity has, has an image problem in our society is right here. Because Christians aren't living to the extent of the invitation that has been given to them. Is that when we go into our schools, is that we don't live by the invitation that has been extended to us. In other words, again, we fall back into our own relational rules, do unto others as they have done unto us. And what Paul is saying in here, listen, as a follower of Jesus, accept the invitation to do as Jesus has done unto us. And here's what he says. He goes on. Verse 2. He says, be humble. Okay? Now, I think we all know what humility is, right? It's not thinking of uh, ourselves any more than we should. He says, be humble. In fact, can I, let me just chase a rabbit here just for a second. The word humility in Scripture doesn't seep out, it oozes out. It's everywhere. You see, consistently in Scripture, you constantly see God opposing the proud, but lifting up the humble. And Paul starts off by saying, here's what the invitation looks like. It starts off with humility. Be humble. In other words, you first. Not me first, you first. Looking to others as better than yourself. That's what it means. He says, be humble, and then he goes, what? And what? Gentle, all right? To which all the guys in here are going, well, he must be talking about girls, right? I mean, because, I mean, this this doesn't apply to guys. I mean, let's just be real honest. If your football coach looks at you and says, dude, you are real gentle, okay? I mean, that's that's probably not a good thing, right? But here's what it means. It, It literally means, okay, 
I'm not trying to be crass in here. It literally means have some intestinal fortitude. And you're like, what does that mean, Matt? Does that mean, mm, okay? I mean, kind of, okay? But here's what it means. It translates self-control. Have some self-control of your bowels, right? No, no, okay. Have some self-control in your life. That's what it means. So he says, be humble, be gentle, have self-control. And then he goes on, be patient with each other. Okay, this is what this means, okay? Guys, every time your girlfriend is late, be patient. Every time she's getting ready, be patient. Girls, every time he's late picking you up, be patient, okay? Every time your mom screams down at you, turn that radio down, all right, or turn off that Xbox, be patient. He says, be patient. Then he goes on. Let's, let's finish this up. He says, be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. And this, this is a crucial part. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Because of your what? Your love. Now, listen. For them, no. Watch this. For him. You see, we love as we have been loved. The invitation that God is calling us to is to love others as we have been loved. There's a powerful verse. We're going to throw it up on the screen, and you can kind of hang in Ephesians chapter 4 if you're there, but you can listen up. If you're a note taker, write this down. John chapter 13 Verse 34, Jesus gives us a picture of what this looks like. Here's what he says. He says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. He says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And watch this. This is so powerful. In fact, this is probably the only litmus test we have for what a follower of Christ should look like. How to know that we are a deeply devoted follower of Christ. Here's what it says. Your love for one another. Now, here's what we think. We think that should say your love for God, right? It says your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my what? Disciples. You see, here's, here's what John is saying here. He is saying that Jesus challenged his disciples to live as he lived. Your love for one another, in, in other words, your love for one another, if this isn't right, then this isn't right. You see, students, the litmus test for our relationship with the Lord, how we can know that we truly are followers of Christ is how we love each other. And here's the thing. We can think, you know what? I got the latest Hillsong album. Matt, I got the latest Passion album. I know all the songs that we sang tonight. I'm a worshiper. Not one hand, but two hands. Okay, I got it down. I read John Piper. Here's the reality. Most of us in here in this room, here's what we struggle with, including this guy here. God, I love you, but I hate my parents. God, I love you, but I can't stand her. God, I love you. Here's one but I don't like those people. And here's what God is saying. God is saying, you think you got it going on here? No, what I'm seeing is an issue here. And if there's an issue here, there's something wrong here. 
You see, God is saying to us tonight, listen, if that is your life, you don't understand the hugeness, the vastness of the invitation. If we struggle loving others and forgiving others, then we don't understand the invitation, students. I'm just being honest with you. We don't understand the invitation that God has extended to us. Because when we were the most unlovable, when we had no capacity to reflect God, Jesus served us. He loved us. And if I've got a main point tonight, here it is. God is measuring the health and the maturity of our relationship with him through our relationship with others. I'll say that again. God is measuring the health and the maturity of our relationship with him through our relationship with others. That's the indicator of how we know that we're following Christ, how we love each other. It's the litmus test. And so Paul carries this on a little further, and we're going to scoot on down real quick to verse 30. And he talks about what this looks like here. And we're just going to unpack it just for the next few minutes, and then we're going to wrap up. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, here's what he says. He says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Here's a powerful thought. Did you know that you have the capacity to sorrow, to bring sorrow to the heart of God by the way you live? Again, the way you treat and love others. And then he goes on to say this. Remember, he is the one who has identified you as his own. In other words, he came to us. We didn't go to him. Guaranteeing you that, he, that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And then he, he packages this. He sets this up. And when you unlock this passage, when you open up this package, here's what you see in this passage. Verse 31. Get rid of. Get rid of. Again, he doesn't say it's an option. He doesn't say if you feel like it. He says, get rid of all. How much? All. Bitterness. Rage. Anger. Harsh words. Some of you are like, ooh, it's getting hot in here, okay? Slander. And if you don't fit into the rager, or you're saying, I'm not bitter, or I'm not a harsh worder, or a slanderer, whatever that means, if you don't fit into those categories, here's, here's what he does, all right? He tags you into this. Here's what he says. As well as any other type of malicious behavior. So in other words, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, slander, harsh words, as well as any type of malicious behavior. Here's what he says. He says, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Now, the word get rid of literally means to separate yourself from it. He says to walk away from it, to get it out of your life. Now, I want you to imagine for a second if Paul was a counselor, okay? Let's just, let's just role play this for a second. Could you imagine if Paul was a counselor and you walked into his office and he was sitting down and he said, have a seat in the couch and he's listening. You're like, hey, Paul, I know you're an important dude in the Bible. I got this thing in my life and um, I'm really battling with and I need to get rid of it. You know, how do I do that? I need a, a, a two-step process or something. And here's what Paul does. He looks at you, and here's what he says. Just get rid of it. 
But yeah, I know. That's why I'm here, okay? I'm trying to get rid of it. So, what, so how do I get rid of this? And here's what he said. No, just, just get rid of it. All right? Paul would have made a terrible counselor, okay? And you're like, dude, that's why I'm here. I'm trying to get rid of it, right? He says, no, just get rid of it. Now, the picture here is a picture of a spider web, okay? Now, I want you to imagine this. How many of you in here hate spiders, okay? All right, how many of you, you saw the movie Arachnophobia and it scared you to death, and you're, you're afraid you got spiders in your drawers, okay? And, and you makes you nervous, right? If you've ever seen the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, don't see it. If you've seen the movie, it's messed you up, okay? Here's the deal. We all know what it's like to walk down a trail, right, and to walk into a spider web, Right? How many of you hate that, all right? Like you're walking along, you don't see it, all right? And you walk into it, and all of a sudden, you got this spider web all over you. And immediately, here's what you're thinking. I got to get it off me, right? And you're just, you're trying to get that thing off because you're, you're afraid that you're going to see that spider, and you're, you're looking all over you, and you see a piece of lint, and you're like, oh, I'm going to kill that spider. And, and you're freaked out, Okay. And you're just trying to get it off you. And you got, if there's somebody with you, you're like, dude, do you see any spiders on me? You got to get this thing off of me. And then you're walking along a little later. You're like, no, I feel something. I feel something. You know, I mean, the picture there is to get it off of you. In fact, let's just all do this, okay? Let's just all do this right here. I mean, just everybody right here, let's wake up right now. That's the picture. Some of you, that's a new dance, right? <laughs> that's pretty cool. Here's the picture to get rid of it. Here's what Paul says. Listen. So we're going to wrap this up. Here's what Paul says. Listen. He says, get rid of it. And you say, Matt, how do I get rid of it? Because here's the reality, again, and I, I prayed about this. If we invited some of you to come and sit in this chair and to tell us your story, and you were to be totally honest with us, here's what we would say to you. You have a right to be bitter. You have a right to feel the pain that you feel. If I were to hear your story, listen, I'm not unsympathetic like Paul. Here's what I would say. If you sit up here, I would say, look, dude, you have a right. I know why you feel the way you do. But yet, here's what Paul says. You got to get rid of it. Now, what you got to know about Paul, again, is you got to know where Paul was writing this. You see, we read about it in verse 1. Paul said, I beg of you, I, Paul, beg of you, a prisoner for serving the Lord. Let's stop right there. Paul is writing this as a prisoner. He's not writing this in some beach in Cancun, kicked up on a hammock, you know, sipping a margarita, okay? He's writing it from prison. Not only that, he doesn't have any right to be in prison. He didn't do anything wrong. And yet, listen, students, in prison, not knowing when he's going to get out, chained to a guard, here's what he writes. Get rid of it. All bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander. He says, get rid of it. Now, you may not believe that the Bible is inspired, but here's what you got to believe, okay? you got to respect a guy that says from prison that you can get rid of this stuff. He says, get rid of it. And here's how he says, do it. Here's, here's the crucial part, verse 32. He says, instead, 
That, that word instead is a powerful picture because it's a picture of really from moving from one direction to another. In other words, doing a 180 degree turn and walking away from your bitterness and rage. He says, instead, watch this, be kind to each other. Now that's, that's a good place to start right there, right? Especially for teenagers. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, and then watch this, forgiving one another. Forgiving. Getting rid of. Forgiving one another. And here's, here's the crucial part. Just as God, through Christ Jesus, has forgiven you. You see, here is what Paul is saying. The only way that you can forgive other people is by focusing on what you've been forgiven of. Because can I let you in on a little secret, students? You will never, ever choose forgiveness focused on what has been taken from you. Never. And if you're holding on to bitterness and it's leading to rage and anger, and you're holding on to forgiveness. And you're thinking, no, 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 Matt, you don't understand my story. You don't understand what I deal with. You don't understand what I go through. Are you telling me that I'm just supposed to forgive them? Just to act like it doesn't matter? They owe me. They took something from me. And yet, here's what Paul says. No, forgive as God, through Christ Jesus, has forgiven you. In other words, the, the picture of this is the picture of canceling a debt. In other words, you don't owe me. You don't owe me. And I know what we're thinking. We're all thinking the same thing in here because I've dealt with this in my own life. Here, here's what you're thinking. No, 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 but here's where you're wrong. They do owe me. They do owe me. And you want me just to cancel the debt. That's what Paul says. How do I do that? Not focused on what they've taken from you, but focused on what Christ has given to you. He's extended to you an invitation. And that invitation is characterized by forgiveness. You forgive, listen, not because they deserve it. You forgive because you've been forgiven. You see, at some point, we're all going to leave this world. 100% of us. So people will say some things about us. They'll sing some songs. They'll put us in a grave. They'll write a few things on a, a piece of marble or rock. But we will leave this world and go to another world. And one day we'll stand before God. And listen, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, listen, I'm convinced of this. In fact, Scripture says in Philippians that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Listen, we're going to bow, everybody. And here's, here's the moment, the moment that we see God in Christ, in his perfection, and we see our lives, our sin, the disaster that we've made of it over the years, the moment we see that with the backdrop of God's holiness, listen, every single person in here is going to say, 
what do I do? Or as Isaiah said, woe is me. We will drop to our knees. And listen, powerful, don't, don't miss this, powerful moment. When we drop to our knees, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, knowing everything that we've ever done and every thought that we've ever thought, every sin that we've ever committed, here's what God is going to do. He is going to look down at our lives through Christ Jesus, and here's what he's going to say. You don't owe me. Debt canceled. You're free. And yet in our own lives, in my life, often, I want to hold on to forgiveness when Jesus has forgiven me. And here's what Paul says. You got to forgive. Forgive through Christ Jesus. Because here's what I know. Listen, what people have taken from you, listen, you're never going to get it back. You're not going to get back your childhood. I'm just being honest. For some of us, it's not, we're not going to get back our virginity. It's not going to happen. But through Christ Jesus, you can choose to forgive. And the beauty of that is when God sees us, he sees Jesus. I want to give you something practical. I'm going to invite the band to come up right now. And if you're a note taker or if you have a piece of paper, I want to give you something to write down just as the band is preparing and and getting ready here. We're going to give you a moment really of something practical to, to do even now. But if you don't feel comfortable doing it now, you can do this later. That's why I want everybody to write this down. There should be pins in your seats, but I just want you to grab one. And I want to give you three practical steps that I think will help you. And here's the first. If you're saying, how do I forgive? How do I let go? Here's the first step. Identify the person that you're angry with. Who are you angry with? Is it dad? Is it mom? Is it a friend? Who are you angry with? Number two, write this down. Determine what they owe you. What do they owe you? Shh. Everybody listen up. Determine what they owe you. Write it down. And number three, when you're ready, through Christ Jesus, cancel the debt. And you say, man, but but it won't make us even. Listen, it's not. But here's what I know, that if you hold on to forgiveness, bitterness and rage will consume your life. Every adult in this room knows that. Cancel the debt. Write it down. Burn it. Throw it in the trash. Give it to a small group leader. Give it to a youth pastor. And just say, look, I don't want to hold on to this anymore. Cancel the debt. Why? 
because he canceled our debt. Let's pray. And so, Heavenly Father, God, I always feel a certain angst in talking about subjects like forgiveness because I think it's just, again, like we prayed earlier in this room, it's so close to the front lines of what we're dealing with in our lives. And so, God, I just pray, Lord, as we think through these practical steps, as you bring things to our heart, Lord, that there'll be a time of confession, there'll be a time of letting go, not holding on to things that'll destroy us. And God, it won't make things even. It won't bring certain things back in our lives. But God, it's the invitation that you've extended to us. So God, may we forgive as you have forgiven us. And everybody said in Jesus' name, Amen.